You're listening to Connecting the Universe from Mike Ricksecker and ConnectedUniversePortal.com. everybody to Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker back at you with another interactive class out of the connected, <laughs> out of the secret library of the connected universe. If I could get my words right, that'd be fantastic, right? No, we're starting about uh, five minutes late here. Uh, a few technical issues uh, just as we're about to start and I'm looking a little blue here hence the the technical issues but uh, but we can work with that I mean we're gonna be talking about extraterrestrials alien craft the uh, UFO phenomena UAPs all of that wonderful stuff tonight uh, just as we're getting started here I do want to uh, give a big uh, thank you to Jack McCarthy with a five dollar super sticker really appreciate that I work with Jack so uh, great to see you down there this evening all right so for those listening to the podcast version of this later I do want to encourage everybody to uh, join us every Wednesday night 8 o'clock p.m eastern time for the full connecting the universe experience connecteduniverseportal.com uh, out there at that website uh, you do get of course all the uh, great interactive classes, but there's also sneak peek behind the scenes videos, monthly Q&A video, which was just posted this past weekend, exclusive articles, insider travel vlogs like ancient Egypt, Ireland, all those wonderful places, all this and more, connecteduniverseportal.com. I see a number of people down there in the chat already, which is absolutely fantastic. I do also want to remind those that are members of the Connected Universe Portal, download the app, you get all the notifications, all the updates right to your phone immediately when things are posted out there. I uh, also have a couple events that are coming up here uh, soon. So Connecting the University event, Historic Bell Mansion, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, come and check that out. That is uh, 1 to 4 p.m. I'm sorry, 1 to 5 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, four distinct presentations, Stargates and Portals, Ancient Symbolism is one. Then you have the Egypt and Atlantis connection, Triangle Areas of the World, Consciousness and Time Travel. And then, of course, next uh, April, we have the second annual Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour. So come join us for that as well. You can find all that information my, at my website, MikeRicksecker.com. All right, now we've got all the formalities out of the way. Let's go ahead and dive into the class question for this evening that I posted. And I've been posting this in uh, several different places. So, of course, the... Uh, the Connected Universe Portal uh, secret member group out there on Facebook. Uh, I posted out there on Instagram and then uh, out here on YouTube as well. And so the uh, class question is, what type of extraterrestrial material do you believe the government may have recovered if they have? Because we're going to be talking about uh, that recovery or that uh, proposed recovery this evening. 
And so uh, responses that we had to that were, well, Tom McNicholas said, an alien probe craft, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, if we were to go to some sort of planet out there in the cosmos with uh, intelligent life, we would probably be sending some probes as well. I mean, we already do to the moon, to Mars, out into the cosmos, different areas of the uh, solar system. We do that. Tane Mayaneki says, a plant, just to disappoint me. Uh, it's not so disappointing, though, uh, because there are uh, a number of things on this Earth, believe in panspermia, so basically uh, things coming from outside of our planet on meteorites and what have you that hit the Earth in life forms. So one of the uh, proposed things that uh, may have come from you know, outside of Earth, the octopus, uh, very, very much unlike anything else that we have here on Earth, very, very different. Of course, a lot of our water uh, comes to us via, or has come to us via panspermia, uh, meteorites with ice crashing into the Earth, and, you know, that water vapor eventually turns into water and rain. Lindsay says, I think a lot of our technological advancements have been possible because of technology recovered from UFOs. After Roswell, it seems that there was a major boom in growth of technology. Just my opinion. Yeah, that's one of the uh, interesting aspects of this whole phenomenon. Some people say, well, we were coming out of uh, World War II. Computing was really starting to take off based off of like the uh, deterring machine and those sorts of things. Uh, as far as the United States, we had a big industrial boom around that time. But that's also when we had the big UFO flaps. Roswell, the 1952 flap with the uh, with the UFOs buzzing the Capitol, of course, that was one of the uh, highest years for uh, reported uh, spacecraft sightings back at that time. We tend to forget that those things happened, which is something we're going to discuss this evening is why is it that you know, we're paying attention to these more recent sightings and really forgetting a lot of those things that happened in the past. So, all right, let's get into why we are here this evening. And, uh, oh, there's Jen. Good evening from the airport. She'll be on her way over here shortly. And uh, I like Jack here, an alien garbage truck. <laughs> very, very cool. Uh, Haley's down in the house. Great to see Haley. Uh, Crow Emil, uh, great to see you as well. And yeah, Sarah, what, I wonder what the aliens would think with the giant haze obscuring their view. Yeah, it'd be a little tough right now you know, with all the, the wildfires there up in Canada. Uh, New York looked absolutely terrible today. We've had a slight haze here. Uh, not too bad, Cleveland, Ohio area, but yeah, New York looked terrible. And actually, uh, Jen and I saw some of that in Rhode Island when I was there um, last week and really weren't sure what it was. You know, her, her friend had said something about, yeah, it seems like something might be you know burning. Come to find out, oh yeah, burning up in Canada. Okay, so here we go. We'll get into it. So this is the uh, the recent thing that, that came out here. And originally, we were going to do a class on uh, consciousness. I put that to our Connected Universe members at the end of last week's class when we went to our after-hours part. 
And I left it to them. What do you guys want to talk about? And I basically gave them the list of topics we're going to be talking at uh, Bell Mansion here this coming weekend. They all chose consciousness. And that's what we were going to talk about this week. I put everything up there last night, this morning. And then because of this, I kept getting hit up about it. People kept asking me questions. So it's like, all right, we'll change the class up for today. And we'll go back to consciousness next time around. So this is David Grush. He's an Air Force veteran, former member of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, and now a whistleblower. Basically, he filed a whistleblower report with Congress and the Intelligence Community Inspector General. And according to him, he has extensive classified information about deeply covert programs that he says possess retrieved intact and partially intact craft of non-human origin. So basically, he's saying, we've got alien craft. And he did it in a different way than has been done before. Usually what happens is somebody goes to the press and, and they report it, you know, like Bob Lazar. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about him later. Uh, you know, Rick Doty came out with information. We'll talk a little bit about Rick. Actually, we have some uh, clips from Rick. Uh, but what Grush did is he actually filed a... Uh, whistleblower complaint. So they actually have to formally look into it. Now, it still gives them a heads up that, okay, you know, we're going to come and inspect, you know, these claims and what you have. And it still gives them some time to you know, hide things away. Uh, and of course, at this point, you know, deny, you know, uh, the, the new Aero organization, uh, filed a statement out of the Pentagon that said, yeah, uh, you know, we don't have any reports of any uh, retrieved and intact aircraft or uh, not aircraft, but uh, extra extraterrestrial craft. So right now, you know, they're not, they're not claiming anything. They're basically denying at this port at this point. Uh, but, you know, it has to formally be uh, researched now because, this, uh, this complaint has been filed. So, you know, who is this guy? Who is Grush? Uh, so basically, he's a, he's a decorated former combat officer in Afghanistan, veteran of uh, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, like we kind of already stated. Also, the National Reconnaissance Office. He served as that office's representative to the UAP task force from 2019 to 2021. And from 2021 to July of last year, he was the NGA's co-lead for UAP analysis and as representative to the task force. So by all counts, he has a good reputation, a good track record. So that good, that's good. That all works in his favor. Here's this guy that pretty much has a squeaky clean record that is coming forward and saying, hey, um, I have this information. They're hiding things. They're hiding things that the public should know about. And I want you guys to look into it. The one issue is that the information that he has, he didn't directly see. Everything that he is talking about was essentially told to him. And that's where it starts getting a little iffy. So these different people confided in him. We don't really know about the documents that he might have because of the fact that they would be classified documents 
can't be released to uh, the public for us to see uh, because of their security classification. However, by doing the uh, whistleblower report, those organizations, I guess whoever has the clearance uh, in the quote unquote need to know, would therefore be able to take a look at these different things. But right now the public can't. So we're all going off of what he said. And that's kind of been the frustrating part for the public here is we keep having these guys come out and say, I see this, I saw that. Um, of course, you know, this is aside from our UFO witnesses, those that have, I don't know, like seen the, the Phoenix lights. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we played some clips, mold, uh, edge of the rabbit hole clips from uh, Jim Penniston and Terry Lovelace when we had them on the show and their experiences, Rendlesham Forest, uh, Devil's Den, those places. So those are, you know, reports from, uh, you know, civilian, well, actually Jim Penniston would have been Air Force, but basically, um, you know, reports from First Observer. So what we don't have is, you know, the government saying, you know, we have this. That's where it's never come from. And that's kind of what makes this a little bit elusive. Now, they've started to give up a little, and they kind of have to. So, okay, now we have this UIP task force. We have a congressional hearing. We're going to talk a little bit about that as we go along. Um because they kind of have to at this point, you know, before it was, you know, blurry photos of things in the sky. It was just eyewitness testimony of people saying, I saw this, I saw that. Uh, you know, we didn't have those really nice photos and pieces of video like we do today. People are walking around with HD cameras in their pockets and are able to film this stuff all the time. So they had to give up and concede a little bit to say, okay, we at least have to give up a little bit of something here. And we'll say we're looking into something. But as we'll see, the guys that they put out there, you know, they're saying the bare minimum to get by. And a few comments down in here. And why don't they show the UFO wreckage on TV? Well, and see, that's, that's the thing. Any sort of uh, wreckage that is found immediately confiscated by the U.S. government, you know, like Roswell, you know, it was discovered. And then the government came in and said, oh, we're not going to call it a UFO. We're going to call it a, uh, a weather balloon and things like that. Um, yeah, the, the U.S. government is, until they absolutely have to, they're going to deny, 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 deny. Now, even when we get into the uh, congressional hearing, you know, just the clips that they showed, you know, they were the most obscure clips that you could possibly dig up out of thousands and thousands of videos and photos and things like that that are out there. They showed one was, okay, this is a clip that we're able to debunk. Great. The other one, little almost like a little bubble that goes by so quick, the person operating the software to try to pause the video couldn't do it because that frame wasn't at a pause point. And you couldn't find a better clip. You, that was, 
yeah, it's all a show. It's all a show. So I'm going to play a couple of clips from, we're going to get into uh, some of Rick Doty's uh, testimony because this, okay, coming out and saying they have downed spacecraft, they have material, they have parts. We've actually heard these stories before. So this story actually is not new. The way the news coverage is handling it, they are handling it as it's new. The one difference, again, is the fact that it was a, a whistleblower complaint that was filed. But being there being claims of having craft, I mean, that's what Area 51 is all about. How long did it take the, the government to finally admit that Area 51 actually existed, right? So we've heard these stories before and over and over and over again. And we're gonna I'm gonna play these clips from uh, Rick, and then we're kind of uh, kind of gonna discuss all this. So you mentioned earlier that you saw UFOs at Area 51, Groom Lake. What exactly did you see? Well, we would um, myself and my partner out there. Um, we would uh, drive around, and, and we had missions to do. We had. We had uh, people to speak with. Uh, the base was quite large, so you had to drive around. And one particular night, we drove to a really remote location on the base. Uh, it was actually down past Papoose Lake towards the Nevada test site, which is, of course, now the Nat Nevada National Security Site. It was a, 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 a small complex down there that we had to go down and interview somebody. And it was it was because of, a, of, of something relating to a... Um, the ET contact. And it was uh, somewhat uh, late at night when we were driving back. And as we were driving on the road, and there's several checkpoints between where we were and to the containment area of Area 51, where we actually had our, our billets, um, we saw something flying. And this thing was doing uh, maneuvers that I'd never seen an, air, an airplane do. It was flying in circles and it would stop it would shoot up, uh, ascend to a certain point, stop, and then descend to almost the ground level. My partner and I drove over towards where this was, and we, we sat there in our, our vehicle. We got, actually got out of the vehicle and stood outside and watched this thing for oh, probably 40, 45 minutes. And then eventually it landed back at Groom Lake. So we drove back to the base, and, and, and we, again, it was about 30-minute drive from where we were at to the base. We got to the base, we drove down next to the flight line. Now, as I said earlier, I didn't have access to everything on the base. We did right. have access to some, some areas of the flight line, but, but I, we couldn't go out in the flight line, and we couldn't go into to most of the hangars. We saw this thing on the ground, and we saw it being moved into a hangar, a very large hangar. So uh, we went back to our billets, uh, went to bed next morning and went to the office. Um, my supervisor's last name was Hutchinson. Unfortunately, he passed away some years ago. Hutch, we referred to him as Hutch. I went in and sat down at his desk and I said, hey, Hutch, um, we saw something flying last night. Uh, can you? And he was briefed into a lot more programs than, than hmm. when, I were, when I was. He said, I guess you saw one of our uh, toys that we're trying to uh, 
reverse engineer. And that's all he told us. Oh, wow. Told me. So I said, okay. So then I, over a period of time, slowly uh, gained access to two sides of what we were doing out there. Um, the recovered crafts that we had at S2, we were trying to fly. And then on the other side of the coin, we were trying to reverse engineer the recovered crafts. And a good example of this uh, was the Cash Landrum case of 1980. Uh, we had a, a, a large uh, UFO that we had recovered, and I don't know where we recovered it. We couldn't get the propulsion system to work. So we placed an experimental nuclear propulsion system on this craft, and we flew it. And that was the one that was uh, involved in the Cash Landrum case. So that's an example of a reverse engineering, partly reverse engineering. Uh, we couldn't reverse engineer the 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 uh, engine because we couldn't understand the, what the how the propulsion system worked. Well, you mentioned and let me, let me explain, earlier. Right now, let me explain something else out there. Sure. Uh, this is somewhat of a, 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 a conundrum with some people. We had different flying crafts from different extraterrestrial races. They were all different. I mean, extremely different. I know one particular person uh, in the UFO community says, I can't understand why we can't get these crafts to work. You get the one to work, you can get the other to work. That doesn't work that way. If you, if you talk to Dr. Putoff um, and some of the other uh, scientists that knew and, and worked on these things, they can real, you realize the science and the technology of these different crafts are entirely different. The propulsion is all from different races. Exactly. They're all from different races and they're all manufactured differently. And that's why we had so much, uh, we have so much trouble then, and I'm sure we still have trouble now trying to reverse engineer. All right, a little sneak peek there of uh, Edge of the Rabbit Hole, which we're going to be going back to here. Well, not back to, but basically include as part of Connecting the Universe here in two weeks. Victoria will be back. Uh, Alexandra Holzer will be our first guest on that, um, talking about the Amityville case, uh, the new uh, film that is out there on uh, on Tubi and regarding her, her father's work. In any case, uh, yeah, there with, with Rick. Um, now, Rick is former Air Force OSI, Office of Special Investigations, and his original role was as counterintelligence. And a lot of people you know, like to you know, use that against him, and I completely understand, because uh, in that particular role, it's for disinformation purposes. And so, you know, he was tasked with going to these locations, digging up as much information as he could about what happened. Uh, at that particular location and for the news releases and what have you uh, later on, that information was used to spread disinformation. Uh, so it's not necessarily that uh, Rick himself was spreading disinformation, is that that was the nature of his investigations and what it eventually was used for. I kind of look at it as a, a very similar role to what uh, J. Allen Hynek had in his early days with Project Blue Book because he was brought in uh, uh, basically to look at the scientific aspects of these different UFO sightings. 
And the information that uh, he gathered was used to spin a story of, you know, this happened or that happened, you know, some legitimate ex excuse. And when it comes to uh, Project Blue Book, and there's uh, J. Allen Hynek there. When it comes to Project Blue Book, there are 13,000 cases uh, that were you know, officially filed with them. 700 are still open. Now, what happened with Hynek is as he was going through this uh, for years and years, he eventually became a believer in the UFO phenomenon, because there are so many things that he could not explain in these cases that he was like, hold up a minute. You know, you know, some of these we cannot just excuse away. There's actually legitimate, uh, you know, UFO activity that is going on in some of these cases. And so that's kind of what I look at with, with Rick is that, um, you know, at, you know, there came that point where he's like, you know, I'm going to talk about what I saw. And uh, so he was there at Area 51. Start talking about the reverse engineering of propulsion systems and things like that. And that's, you know, the government's big interest in all of this. How can they reverse engineer this alien technology? And that's what, you know, the uh, one of the comments there for the class question was in the beginning uh, is that, hey, you know, we had these big UFO flaps and then all of a sudden, you know, boom, we had these big bursts of technology. And it could very well be the case that, yeah, that's what happened. They were able to reverse engineer some of those different things. And so if we have more craft that are crash landing and there's other technology there for us to glean, well, our government is going to want to extract that technology and be able to use it for, well, what do governments usually want that type of technology for? Defense. They always want to be able to one-up the opposition because should war break out at some point, you want to have the better, more advanced technology. And so that's what any government around the world would want to be doing with such a thing. So on the idea of propulsion, I do have another clip from uh, Rick here talking about uh, Bob Lazar and, you know, what uh, Bob was doing in, in his role. So we'll bring that up here real quick. Now, you had mentioned uh, Bob Lazar earlier. Now, Bob was supposed to be working on reverse engineering those propulsion systems. How closely related was that? what he was working on to what you were witnessing there? Well, Bob was there after I left. Okay. okay. Bob talks about S4. Now, if you look at Papoose Lake, you look at a map that George Knapp had, had put out, uh, the complex that Papoose Lake was S2. That's what it was called. The area that Bob Lazar worked was four levels under that. And that was called S4. The S2 or the top top area that you entered was the administrative control center for whatever was underground. I, I never had access to anything underground. I had access to the control center or S2 complex. And S2 is where I went a number of times to conduct investigations, but I, I never visited nor did I have access to, 
to S4. And so Bob Lazar talks about S4. And uh, so he was he's telling the truth. I believe everything Bob Lazar says, the entry control procedures that I quizzed him on, he knew everything uh, about those. Uh, and of course, after I left, they developed some new uh, entry control procedures, the handprint, which we didn't have when I was there, but the exchange badge system, where the vehicle was parked when you entered S2, uh, the where the elevators were, I quizzed him on all those things, and he answered every single one of them correctly. So I'm convinced that that what Bob uh, Lazar said was, in fact, truthful. Is there? Yeah, a and, you know, I'm in. Uh, just a quick comment. I'll let you uh, ask the question here in a second, Victoria. And I just want to <coughs> Rick real quick that no, I'm I'm also in the camp. I I believe Bob. Now, of course, I was not out there uh, during during my time in the Air Force. I'd never witnessed any of that stuff. But it's actually more from Bob's personal story when uh, he talks about what happened between uh, him and his wife and you know everything that he went through uh, where he almost had his uh, uh, clearance revoked for a time because of all that where I went through something very similar with my ex-wife while I was at NSA it's just every detail he gave on that was like you know I went through the exact same th thing I know exactly what he's talking about I believe this guy based on something personal not anything technological so yeah that's um when it comes to talking with some of these people about um you know what they've seen what they've experienced um because guys like rick myself um you know we've been in those different situations it helps us to uh you know to really vet some of these people that make these different claims so you know rick basically vetted bob on the makeup of the facility and, and different things that were actually there at the facility for me it was in the personal side of bob's story on the flip side of that there are people i'm not going to you know throw any names here but there are people who have come forward with various stories that you know i'm able to sit back and say no 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 now, that one's not true. You know, and I'll just give an example, again, not using a name. Some years ago, um, there was a uh, person, one of their claims, and, and this is a person that has made several claims over the years about having insiders uh, to, to different locations. And, you know, I have an, ins he, he would say, uh, just as an example, I have an insider uh, at NSA who says that uh, the seventh floor of NSA is where they're doing all the alien research. Okay just from that one little statement right there i'm able to look at that and no discredit it i spent some time at nsa you would never say on the seventh floor of nsa because if you're talking about the headquarters at fort meade maryland now nsa has satellite installations um, all over the country all over the globe but if you're talking about uh the headquarters installation there there's four buildings and three of those buildings have more than seven floors. So you would say, you know, the seventh floor of building 2A or the seventh floor of the headquarters building. There's only one floor that's like the floor, uh, the 10th floor. 
And you know exactly what that is. If you're saying 10th floor of Venice State, well, that's where all the brass is located at. Um, and that was 10th floor of the headquarters building, which the brass is no longer on the 10th floor of the headquarters building. They're actually in a different building on a different floor, but still referred to as the 10th floor, even though it's not anymore. So it's just those little, you know, snippets of, of information and things that people say that you're like, you know, no, you know, this guy. Mm. So, so yeah, when it comes to this, this new bit of news that has come out, um, with, uh, with Grush, he hasn't really given us any details yet to say anything one way or the other. He's basically said the government has retrieved some extraterrestrial craft. That's about what it is amount to. So we kind of really have to play the wait and see game with this one to see what comes out of it. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen you know, a, a number of my colleagues making posts and, you know, everybody's excited, you know, okay, you know, what's the new bit of information that's going to come out? Will something, something be revealed? Now, when you file a whistleblower complaint, it's not that something's going to happen tomorrow. There is a formal investigation process that they are going to have to go through. So don't expect anything anytime soon. Um, it will be down the road, but you know, the, the timing is, is interesting because they have, uh, you know, some more of these, uh, UAP hearings that are coming up. Um, they're actually contact in the desert was this past weekend. So, um, kind of you know, nicely timed with that as well, uh, where, you know, a lot of people go to that particular conference and, uh, so, so it was on people's minds and then, you know, boom, um, I saw, uh, Giorgio from from Ancient Aliens uh, making some posts about yeah I've got I've got some questions here for for them so uh, so it's it's nice to see that that dialogue and that conversation going. Um, Sarah Yusuf says I have an issue with applying our math to alien science. Seems like a conflict. Well, I think there's going to be some math that's universal, uh, but you know I mean, we've most of our math is what we would call you know, Newtonian physics, right? And at there's a certain point in the quantum world where that breaks down and you have conflicts. Now, an, uh, an alien race, they might even know something beyond quantum or what we are calling quantum at this point. If they are able to, you have to think about it, you know, they are probably not using our Newtonian physics to come to here, to come to earth. Um, I mean, maybe they can live thousands of years, you know, hundreds of years, maybe. Um, you know, we can't, you know, so basically we can't send ourselves off to uh, the next solar system because we just don't have the resources to be able to outfit uh, a spaceship that would last that long, plus have the humans in inside survive that long. You know, maybe biologically, uh, these ETs are a little different, but more than likely they have figured out some other way to be able to traverse the cosmos. Maybe they have figured out how to use a stargate or a portal. Uh, maybe they have, you know, figured out how to travel the speed of light. We don't know. Or, you know, these could be probes. We, we don't know the, the nature of what has been found yet because 
we haven't that hasn't been revealed to us yet as far as uh, this latest report. Now, uh, you know, others that have come forth have said, you know, okay, you know, they have like what Rick was saying. We have multiple craft from multiple races with different propulsion systems. Some of us, you know, come forward and said, you know, we have, uh, you know, actual, you know, ET bodies. Actually, uh, if you go further into that uh, interview that we had with Rick, which you can find the uh, uh, link to that interview on the YouTube side, and I think I put it on the uh, Connected Universe side as well, uh, to that full interview there. Uh, the link is is down below. Uh, but further on, he continues to say that, you know, the the Roswell crash, you know, there was a survivor of that. That lasted until 1952, 52 or 53. I think he said 52. Um, and was providing information that we were able to use, which, again, back to is that, you know, why we had a big technological boom around that time. I mean, it's, it's, it's very possible. So, you know, and again, you know, looking at Roswell, you know, we have, we have that cover up there where initially it was reported as a UFO that was down, that had crashed. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're turning it into a weather balloon. And that is typically what we see uh, our government do are these are these cover-ups and why is that what's going on well one of the things we already mentioned was that you know they want that technology they are going to hide it from their adversaries as much as they can the other thing is that they want to keep the status quo with the public and there was a uh, a fascinating report that was put together in 1960. It's called the Brookings Report. And essentially states that, well, here's the New York Times headline of the time. Mankind is warned to prepare for discovery of life in space. Brookings Institution report says Earth civilization may topple if faced by a race of superior beings. So, um, yeah. It's essentially... The idea here that if there is this revelation that we are not alone in the universe and that, hey, if they've even visited here, if they're amongst us, that would cause panic. Now, a rational person individually is like, that's not a big deal. I mean, we've kind of been conditioned here over the past, you know, 40, almost 50 years now that, uh, you know, extraterrestrials, ETs, uh, space-faring races, you know, that's all, that's all, you know, our science fiction, our sci-fi movies have, have pretty much done that to us, right? But then there's this, and I posted this earlier today in social media from Men in Black. Will Smith says, people are smart, they can handle it. Tommy Lee Jones responds, a person is smart. People are dumb, panically, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. And uh, the bottom of the meme has uh, the people fighting over the toilet paper. I actually put this together during the whole toilet paper craze there a couple of years ago. And, and this is kind of, this is what happens is, yeah, one rational person, they're going to be cool with it. But you start to get that, you know, that herd mentality where you get a, you get a handful of people here that they just 
they go nuts, they go bonkers, they start panicking. And they will do things like go to the store and strip the shelves of everything. Well, hey, these nutballs over here are, you know, hoarding everything and stripping the stores of, you know, just our basic goods that we need. Oh, crap, I'm not stocked up enough here at home. I better go to the store and get some things before these nut jobs, you know, take it all. And so, um, you know, it just it just becomes this domino effect where, you know, everybody starts going and buying it up because they're afraid this person and that person over there, the nut jobs that caused this panic, you know, will take everything. And that's, you know, we see that effect, you know, uh, every every winter, right? You know, the, uh, the forecast calls for a couple of inches of snow and, you know, a couple of these, you know, uh, people over here will be like, oh my gosh, you know, it's going to be like, we're snowed in for a week and, you know, we need to grab all the stuff off of a couple inches. You know, I, I don't know how many times I've been to the store and, you know, aisles are clear. I'm like, I'm going to check my, my weather app. Oh yeah. You know, we're supposed to get two inches tonight, <laughs> but that's what happens. So uh, Jack was in here earlier, Jack. I don't know if you're still down there. When I posted that on Twitter this morning, uh, his uh, his remark was, I remember when I first saw that scene and it struck me as undeniable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it it really is. That is that crazy herd mentality that, that happens. And it's really just a couple that start it. You know, it's just a couple that start going crazy and all of the others around are reacting to it. You know, some out of, you know, really, I think a lot of it is, preservation you know the idea that you know if i don't go and get this that and the other thing it will be gone because these crazy people here are going to grab it all and that's what that's what creates the mass panic so you guys have some uh comments down here uh there's da mike and everyone first time i finally made it live pink waving hand oh there must be an emoji that didn't come through there right away uh and karen yes with hurricanes too i can understand hurricanes because you never know with a hurricane it might blow through and you're fine but sometimes you might be down for a week right so that i can kind of understand but the thing is with a hurricane you have you know several days maybe a week ahead of time knowing that it's coming like you've been watching the storm you've you've heard you know you've seen the stories of it brewing down there in the caribbean and coming up um yeah you know by the time it's hitting you know say it's coming right up the east coast by the time that it's hitting like the carolinas you've already known for a while that the thing was coming up the coast uh, a little bit different for like my uncle lives in St. Thomas. A little bit different for him because it's the store. The storm is very new and they get hammered. But um, you have a little time there to gather things up. But I, I can understand a hurricane a little bit more. Or if you know the forecast is calling for uh, we're going to get a foot tonight. All right, but I see it happen a lot of time with a couple inches. So uh, let's see, Android, great to see you down there. People panic from a virus that kills about 0.5% of people, then aliens will call way, way worse panic. And yeah, and, and, that's, and that's kind of the fear here. And that's one of the things that they are, um, you know, they, that they don't want to have happen. Um, 
you know, it's, and it's not just from a supply standpoint, which would happen, but you would have absolutely undeniable confirmation that your government has been lying to you. Now, we all laugh and joke about, you know, politicians being corrupt. But it's, it's it, I mean, guys, it's not a joke. <laughs> they are corrupt. They are corrupt. Come on. <laughs> they just, they are. Um, I've, I've dabbled in that field before. Um, you have a couple, you know, outliers. There are, there are a handful in there that are trying to do some good. Um, but, you know, they get, you know, highly discouraged uh, and they're met with so, you know, they're hitting the wall all the time with these other guys that are corrupt and wheeling and dealing. It goes both sides. It goes both sides. Um, you won't get, I won't dive in down that road, but in any case, um, I always say that, you know, politicians are just rich, powerful people looking for more money and power. It's kind of the way it is. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that they don't want to have happen is for something bold in your face. Boom. We have been lying to you about this. Got into a little bit of a debate, uh, on social media earlier today. Uh, about that and without, you know, coughing up names and getting too deep, um, you know, kind of one of the things that came out of with that is um, this idea, and I'll just throw this out there, um, when it comes to the UFO, the UFO cover-up, this is from um, the person who was debating me on this, a UFO cover-up conspiracy would have to spend decades across international borders and transcend political administrations. It's one thing to say that a given president or even a country might be able to successfully hide evidence of a craft saucer, extraterrestrial technology, or bodies, but it's quite another to claim that all the world's governments in perpetuity, regardless of which political party is in power, and even among enemies, have colluded to continue the cover-up. Here's the thing. It does it's not the overarching government. It's not. Your, um, your, your basic congressman is not in the know on these things. They know as much as uh, as the public knows. Um, maybe maybe a smidge more because like when we had the UAP hearings, they had a classified section of that as well, where basically um, they were talking about the the effect of that on on national defense. Um, you know that's that's as much as the average congressman is going to get. Are things hidden from your president? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes, they are. Um, it's it's not the overall large mass government body that's in the know on these things and covering these things up. There, there's too many people. There's, there's too many people to try to keep secret, you know, all of those years. It's small cells, small, very select groups and cells most of which don't know what the other is doing. Some of them don't even know that the other groups and cells are out there, but they're, but they exist. And so like when Rick is out there at area 51, the rest of the government is not knowing what in the world is going on in there. They're as oblivious to it as we are. Okay. So it doesn't have to be, be in perpetuity, all these governments, all, you know, the different politicians, they don't know what's going on there. They don't know. 
because it's kept very, very, very compartmentalized. And it's really hard. You know, a, a number of my colleagues have had, you know, like Rick, like Bob, like some of these others that have come forward over the years. It's very, very hard to try to describe to somebody how that works. Because in the corporate world, you know, you're used to you're used to a top-down structure. And in the in the government, there is that basic structure too, um, where you know you report up, you report up, you report up, and then you know the um, the governing body, you know, like your your board of directors, basically knows what's going on within the company. You know, um, like the company that uh, the Jack and I work for, they might not know, uh, you know, all the little you know, programs and, and things that we are deploying on, on a daily basis, uh, you know, what goes into that code, but they know the functionality of what our department does. You know, we deploy the software packages, uh, create the code and all that for the truck maintenance department to keep that going. They know that in the government and in these different organizations, there is not that. There's a basic structure of that where, yes, that's going on over here. But then there are these other cells that if you don't have the need to know that it exists, you don't know that it exists. And so that's how this is able to be kept secret over all of these years. And I don't know how better to describe that. Um, you kind of have to be in it to get it, but that's the way it works. And it doesn't, it does not make sense. It's like, how can something like that function? That's something that, um, Stephen Greer has done a lot with, with the special access groups. Um, I mean, those, those exist, you know, the, these groups out there that really aren't known about, but yet they get funded with. The money and and they always say follow the money and the crazy thing is that within these government organizations it's actually hard to track where that money goes it goes over here somewhere but it kind of disappears because it disappears into those different secret groups and if you don't have a need to know then you can't you can't see it so all right i kind of dove into uh into that one uh, a little bit, but it's it's an interesting conversation uh, to have uh, because it's it's one of the things that in this type of research and trying to talk about this subject, when people are asking questions about you know well how could we not know this you know how could not that not be revealed, it's it's hard to put all the pieces together because of not just top secret security clearance. I mean, I had a top secret security clearance, but that doesn't mean that I could get into everywhere and anywhere. Um, there were certain letter compartments assigned to me. So with those different lettered compartments, I could, I could potentially get into this area or that area or that area. But again, it came down to that need to know just because I could go there. Technically there was still the aspect. Okay. You're here. Yep. I see that uh, you have the proper clearance, but why do you need to be here? And if I couldn't answer that question of why I needed to be there, nope. 
So, uh, Jack, $5 super chat. Thank you again, Jack. I really appreciate that. Yes, what sort of event would have to take place that would make the presence of aliens indisputable, as in something that couldn't be covered up? Um, alien invasion, right? Uh, you know, we talk about, you know, aliens landing on the, uh, on the White House lawn. Yeah, it would have to be like a big event like that, something indisputable, you know, large, uh, large craft over a city. I guess, you know, kind of almost think like Independence Day sort of thing to happen. Uh, that would be pretty indisputable. Uh, of course, if our government finally revealed, hey, yeah, uh, we've got this and they finally admitted it. Um, yeah, but I think the thing is, is that, you know, we're, we're not having like those large scale, almost invasion like uh, interactions. Again, we're talking about, okay, um, a spacefaring race that is traveling across the cosmos. Again, you know, solar systems are, are pretty far from each other. So um, I, I have to imagine that even though they might have the technology to do it, it's still, there's a, there's some challenge, there's some work in getting from one solar system to another. So are you going to send an entire deluge of ships to, uh, you know, to a planet? I mean, like, uh, you know, Tom suggested at, at the beginning, uh, a probe. Uh, you know, some of this might just be a probe, you know, or it might be, um, you know, it might be a single, you know, delegation, a, a little research team, you know, a, a couple of guys that are investigating a, a new planet that, that they've encountered, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, it might take something like, um, you know, some civilization that sent somebody here trying to figure out what happened to our guys and send something bigger our way. It might take something like that. So um, we could kind of speculate on that. Uh, all night, actually, <laughs> we could talk about all kinds of sci-fi movies and, and what have you. Uh, but uh, but that's interesting because those uh, those movies and those television shows and, and, and that sort of thing have really kept the dialogue going because it, it turned more from you know, people seeing things in the skies in the 40s and 50s to okay now now we're going to start you know creating some stories about not only what people are seeing but who are in these ships. And where are they from? And it's not always just, uh, you know, some some green monster that's here to uh, invade the planet or something like that. It's kind of, you know, some of the stories uh, that were talked about. And you look at some of the, uh, you know, some of the stuff that came out of the 50s. And then we started putting personalities into some of these alien races. And, um, and so we started having this interesting dialogue about who and what they may actually be and how they may actually be getting here. Android says, if it becomes established fact that they've been hiding these from oversight, do you think people will go to jail? Somebody will take the hammer. Sure. Sure. Will it be all those that um, that were in the know? That um, th There's always going to be a patsy, right, when it comes to that. You know, we're going to throw it on this guy or these couple of people over here. And the ones that orchestrated it all. The master planners, well, they're the master planners. They're, they're going to get themselves out of it somehow, some way, usually. Um, so DA invasion, or perhaps when we tried nuking one another. One, and that's another thing, is that um, a, a lot of people believe that once we started playing around with nuclear technology, that it sent a 
vibration out through the uh, the universe in other civilizations that learned how to pick up on that particular signal, that particular vibration. We're like, uh oh, there's a planet over there that's messing around with nuclear technology. Let's drop in on them and uh, try to do something to prevent uh, that from from happening. Because if we were to destroy the planet you have to think about the ripple effect across um across the universe you know and this is why I like with stars i love absolutely love star wars but blowing up a planet or like what happened in the newer ones where they're blowing up several planets it would actually have a massive repercussion on not just you know you're destroying a planet sure the whole rest of the solar system is affected by that so if you were to take earth out of there it would affect mars it would affect jupiter all the other planets would be greatly affected by that which in turn you're affecting the solar system well the solar system is part of a galaxy you're affecting one part of uh the galaxy like that well the, it, it's that ripple effect the whole rest of the galaxy is going to start feeling that that repercussion which then of course would stretch out to other galaxies so those of you that are familiar with like connected universe um i've shown that chandra x-ray image where it shows you, know, you get those you know you know bright yellow dots that are connected by the filaments of gas all the different galaxies are connected to each other so you do something destructive with one like that it's going to affect the others um so since we did i, I did want to um since we we're kind of going down this path uh the UAP hearings from last year, real quick. This is kind of how this is a little bit just ridiculous uh, with what goes on with some of the different organizations. So, and I, I loved Mike Gallagher uh, here, uh, congressman from Wisconsin. He basically took the, the two representatives uh, that were brought to the UF, UAP hearings uh, by the government were Ronald Moultrie, who's Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security, and Deputy Director of Naval Intelligence Scott Bray. Both of them were really, really evasive in answering any questions. Um, yeah, and when they were, basically, they kept saying that they weren't aware of anything official. They'd throw out an example, uh, like, okay, you, are you aware of anything at the end of, from Project Blue Book to ATIP? Now, you're talking 1969 to 2007. They're like, well, we're not aware of anything official. Well, that's because there weren't official programs in place at that time. You know, then uh, Gallagher specifically said, okay, what about the Maelstrom case? Now, this is a, a very important case because it involved 10 nuclear ICBMs that were rendered in inoperable in Montana. Both of these guys denied knowing anything about the incident. Now, it's like this is your basically the job that you're taxed with. You need to know about you know, the bigger cases, especially when it comes down to national defense, like nuclear warheads. Um, both were saying they haven't seen any official data on that. Moultrie said, well, if something that was officially brought to our attention, we would look at it. There are many things that are out there in the ether that aren't officially brought to our attention. And so Gallagher, right in the middle of this hearing says, okay, well, how would it have to be officially brought to your uh, to your attention, then I'm bringing it to your attention. This is pretty official. 
yeah, government hearing would be pretty official. So, um, so yeah, it, it's one of those where, you know, the official government representatives do the dance to do the dance to do the dance. And, you know, there's most people will kind of nod their head. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But, uh, you do have some sharp people out there that will be like, well, wait a minute now, wait a minute. Let me try to get, you know, kind of specific here on you. What about this? What about that? And you get down to it. These guys don't know. They don't know. And why is it? Because these couple of guys, they don't have that need to know. They're just, they're just the figureheads at that time. You know, go up there in front of Congress. We'll give you a little information here. That should be enough. Aside from that, just dance the dance. And they did that a lot. So we're getting down toward the uh, the end here. And DA, uh, $10 super chat there. Really appreciate it. Uh, really appreciate all of you this evening having this uh, discussion. And uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, yeah, important information to get out to, to everyone. It's, it's, it's a discussion we're going to be having for a, a long time here. I mean, we're just scratching the surface here with all this and discussion that we're have we're having um you know there have been guys that have been in this field doing this research for decades and um you know i kind of touch all different areas again connected universe it's all connected uh and and this is one that um you know it affects us in a lot of different ways and other topics that um you know, that I cover because it does get into that political arena. It does get into national defense. It does get into um, the way information is handled and given to us. You know, we're seeing and witnessing all these different things. It's a little bit different than, uh, you know, like the paranormal or supernatural field where, you know, we're, you know, we're seeing these things that people are saying, you're crazy. Now, they used to do that with UFOs. Oh, you're, you know, you're crazy. Uh, now it's more of, well, you know, it's, it's unexplained, you know, maybe it's, um, you know, a mylar balloon or, you know, maybe, well, maybe there's, you know, a you know, foreign technology or maybe it's, um, you know, a secret government program. It's still evasive, the different answers that, that were given about this. So. All right, so we're going to wrap this up here. I do want to, before we go here, the next time that we come back for this, uh, I'm going to be on the road next week. So uh, so no connecting the universe next week. We're going to come back on June 21st, and this is going to be our special Edge of the Rabbit Hole episode with our uh, guest, Alexandra Holzer. I do have a promo clip uh, for you guys that uh, that Victoria put together here. All right, so that'll do it. Uh, members of the Connected Universe Portal, I will see you down in the uh, the portal side. And uh, everybody else, you have a wonderful evening. We will see you again on the 21st. Till next time, time really exists. <laughs>